This is Eddie Delaseppi, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Did you know that Yuck Yucks can help you raise thousands of dollars for your charity, club, or organization? Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on fundraising. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me on this fantastic episode of the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Just sitting here in studio watching the, uh, looks like it's uh, Obama's uh, presidential, his last State of the Union address. And again, I, I, I hate to bring to drag politics into this entire equation of a comedy podcast, but... You know, just reflecting a little bit. What a uh, what a what a great guy, to be honest with you. What a great great guy. For someone to take that much abuse, to take that much uh, disrespect from a country full of people that do not appreciate what that guy has done. Uh, you know, agree with his politics, don't agree, but at least you got to respect him. Um, he's a very progressive president, and I thought he did a fantastic job while in office with what he had to work with, considering nobody, and I mean nobody, would touch him uh, with a 10-foot pole. Uh, nobody wanted to be on his side or, or show that they would uh, agree with him or be bipartisan or whatever, but watching him speak tonight, still compose himself, and I would have just, I would have snapped Years and years ago, at some point, I would have probably realized that, you know what? I'm not going to be around here next year. Screw it. Right? Fuck it. You know, I'm not going to like, what are you going to do? Hate me. Who cares? I'm out of the office. I'm done. And I would just start passing every damn law, every, you know, wrongful conviction Every, you know, I just abuse the hell out of your power. I mean, just go out with a bang. And I know, I know people are, hey, well, you know, you're doing more damage to your party by acting like a knucklehead, uh, you know, or, or acting recklessly before you uh, leave office. But, but, but come on, let's be honest here. If you're the most powerful person in the country, in the world, so to speak, in the world, you know, you got to th throw around the, uh, you know. You got to throw around the uh, the old fisticuffs once in a while. You got to, you know, show everybody what's up. And I know that might be the American talking in me, but uh, I assure you that uh, that's the way you have to govern those types of countries. America is so, like, you've got to show them that you've got a bald eagle and a badass gun, man. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. Coors Light and, and, and bald eagles. America. I love America. Don't get me wrong. This is an anti-American podcast, by the way. Uh, it's just impressive to watch somebody so composed, so put together, so well-spoken, so intelligent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That would be a very, very hard job. Speaking of hard jobs, uh, comedians, you guys, <laughs> thank God, I do not work as a full-time comedian. I don't even work as a comedian. 
I pretend to be a comedian once in a while, but I don't make any money uh, being a comedian. That's for damn sure. You guys have got a tough job uh, going up in front of rooms full of, you know, and and this is funny because I'm going to share this little bit of experience with myself. Um, You know, when you go up and you do comedy, you do really well and you get a great crowd response and you get, you know, you walk through the crowd and people are patting you on the back and shaking your hand and offering to buy you beers and taking you outside and, and shooting you up and, and giving you crystal meth. And I'm joking. I'm joking. I just wanted to see how far you guys would go with me on that. Uh, no, but you're out, you know, and you, you kill it one night and it's, you're a celebrity. You're right. You're walking through. You're the most popular guy in the room. It's fantastic. I could see how when you get that feeling, you're like, I would want this every single night of my life. This would be amazing. But I don't know if I'm like day 20 into a tour somewhere in the country and I've been living out of my suitcase for, you know, uh, two weeks, uh, two months, whatever, 21 days. Uh, I would, I would go absolutely insane. You guys, I'm going to kiss your ass here a bit. You guys, you guys have got it. You've got it. I, I, I don't, that takes some, <laughs> that takes some freaking cojones, man. That is like, listen, you could have met the woman or the man of your dreams the day before you fly out to the next town or on tour, whatever it is. And you're like, listen, baby, this is like, this is like, I'm off to war. This is like, you're leaving to go fight in world war two, but really you're just going to Fredericton or something like that, or, or Newfoundland or something like that, but to do a comedy show and get drunk and, and, you know, do crazy shit. But that's the equivalent of like, listen, babe, listen, doll, I got to go. The world needs me. They need my comedy. I got to go save the world, baby. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think, you know, day uh, day 14 of living out of my suitcase and just being like, what Greyhound station am I going to next? That would blow. So I just, I wanted to give you guys a, a quick uh, quick pat on the, uh, on the backside there and say, hey, I know this job ain't easy. I know day in and day out you got to go out there and slag it out in clubs across the country and deal with obnoxious, sometimes ugly, drunk hecklers, people who think they're funnier than you. I know it's a drill, but let me, let me just remind you that you are loved, that you are not forgotten, and when you come home, God damn it, we're going to throw a parade for you. But in the meantime, on today's show, we have Mr. Tony Bins. Yes, Tony Bins, Calgary comic. I saw him at the Yucks Club here locally, and he was absolutely hilarious. Great, absolutely amazing at impressions. Actually, we should have had him do some impressions for us, but very talented guy. And check out your local Yucks, please. Yuckyucks.com. Tons of awesome shows coming up all across the country. Again, be sure to check him out at yuckyucks.com. But in the meantime, let's go talk to Mr. Tony Benz. Well, it's been great. Uh, It's my home club. Uh, So I always love... uh Coming straight from family life into this life, which yeah. is interesting. <laughs> is it a nice break for you to go and act like a madman for uh, the weekend? Well, yeah, I just scream at my kid all day and then come here and scream <laughs> at an audience. It's not <laughs> such a bad thing. 
Although I don't generally say to audiences, don't touch that. Put it down. Put it down. What did I just say? What did I just say? Where's your gloves? What, what, <laughs> exactly. You've lost your gloves again. What? How old no. are the kids? Those are slippers. Those are pajama pants. <laughs> those are not for school. Well, let's get right to it, man. How many kids do you have? How many? Just what? the one, and Just that one. is it. Thank you. That's it. You're not going to do. Oh, you're not no, going to. We're done for, now. That's it. He's killing me. <laughs> How old is he? He's five. five. Oh, that's a that's an interesting age. Yeah, and he's great. He is actually a huge, huge music fan. No way. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks to me, I'm a big classic rock guy. Okay. But he, even from the age of two, he could tell you who's in the Beatles, who's in the Stones, no who's shit. in the Who, and and right now he's going through a uh, he's going through a big Kiss phase. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, he went through. He was big uh, Paul. He went for as Paul Stanley for Halloween. Really? Year before that, he went as Elton John. No. He's, he's picking these costumes. It's you not got the me. coolest kid in Calgary. man. I know, but that comes with its own set of headaches. <laughs> it's true because the roadies, I had these, the girls, the drug, the drug use. Well, you know, it's just that he expects me to be these people when he plays, right? <laughs> so I could be pushing him on the swings, and he doesn't want Daddy to push him on the swings. He wants Paul McCartney to push him on the swings. <laughs> so push me, Paul. All right, I'm pushing you. All right. He's like, no, 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 you're okay. <laughs> Or, or like uh, Paul Stanley. He's always like, Paul Stanley, let's have a picnic. And I can't do conversational <laughs> Paul Stanley. All I can do is like like stage Paul Stanley, which is like, all right, let's have a picnic. Let's go. Come on. It's embarrassing. So you get to be rock star dad, man. I know. <laughs> or at least awesome. feed, feed into his rock star fantasies at least. It's weird because he's just at an age where he can hang out with like SpongeBob and Axl Rose and and whoever and Caillou. And that's he doesn't make any kind of a... Differentiation. There. You imagine your five-year-old, Paul oh. Stanley, Elton John, Caillou. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's brilliant, yeah. man. Tupi and Binu and Pete Townsend. He's, <laughs> he's about all of them. That is dynamite. Yeah. So take me back. Did you ever think you were going to have kids? Uh, well, a child, but starting yeah. off in comedy, man. I mean, that's uh, usually like mm-hmm. when people think of a career in comedy, it's yeah. uh, it's life on the road. It's bad hours it's never being home well i've always said there were two kinds of comedians there's the comedians who like comedy and comedians who like being comedians right right uh i have never been the latter uh i i hate long road trips i hate driving no i hate the lifestyle really but i enjoy the comedy which is why it's sort of geared down on the stand-up and and concentrating more on screenwriting at the moment so no way yeah wow so lots of projects on the go or or? yeah i just got a movie greenlit by super channel holy shit yeah I was pretty happy. That's about crazy, that. man. Yeah. Let's well, let's well before we get into the into the movie end of things. Yeah. Let's get back into the comedy a little bit. All right. What, um, tell me about when you first started because you're a Calgary guy. I'm a Calgary guy. But you were born in Woodstock, Ontario, which is about 20 minutes outside of London. And Woodstock has comes with so many thoughts and ideas when I, I know. hear the actual dairy name. capital of the world. <laughs> I always think of like Janis Joplin yeah. and the concert and the, uh, yeah. the the days of debauchery over there. But and, and this is you know this is Woodstock, Ontario, though. So <laughs> there nothing, is debauchery. It's just like a, it's just behind the Loblaws. It's not actually in a farmer's field. <laughs> and so when did you come up to uh, when did you come out west? My dad moved out west uh, when he, there was no work in Ontario. Then that right. big boom in the in the eighties. Sure, uh, he came out or, or late seventies. I came out here in about seventy. 77. Right. See, I mark everything sort of in a time. You know how people go like before Christ? I'm before Star Wars. So it's about a year before I saw Star Wars. So right. that'd be about 70, That's 78. Brilliant, yeah. That's <laughs> and so uh, where did you go, go to school here? I went to uh, Nellie McClung Elementary down south. 
Uh, and then I went to uh, Bishop. Uh, I went to Saint Augustine. Bishop Augustine's, Grandin or Bishop Grandin? Bishop Grandin. And Saint Augustine's Junior High, which was hell on wheels. Really? Oh God, I had the most miserable time in junior high. <laughs> Why is Just that? Awful. What, what well, there's, there's a number of things. Uh, one, I mean, my dad was dying of cancer at that point. Oh no! So that was, you know, that was hard. Pretty hard on you. I was picked on a lot. Really? Like they sniff out the weak ones in the herd and separate, <laughs> and because they're all jockeying for place, right? Right, right? They're like, I don't know why I want to impress this girl over here, but I just know I have to, and I'm going to kick his ass to do it. <laughs> and mine was the ass they kicked. <laughs> So I skipped a lot of classes because I didn't want to be there. My grades were suffering. I failed grade seven, so I had to do it again. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. And I had a math teacher who was also a gym teacher, and he took this uh, sort of gym teacher approach to his math. If you right. failed a math test, you had to come in after school and redo the test until it was 100%. Well, I would fail the first math test, never complete the second one, and then fail the next one. So I had a detention every day in junior high. No way. <laughs> every what a miserable day. existence, man. I know. And I was a miserable little SOB because of it, too. Like, <laughs> oh, it was vicious. When did comedy start coming onto the forefront? Or, or did was, you have a love of comedy back then? I always had a love of comedy. Um, Who were some of your... Monty Python was the big one. Right. Monty Python was huge, huge, yeah. huge for me. Um, and then uh, slowly, you know, it was the 80s, so there was stand-up right. on every channel sure. every two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've always been pretty quick with a one-liner and usually pretty good at voices. Right. Uh, yeah, your impressions are phenomenal. Man. Oh, thank you. Phenomenal thank you. impressions. Yeah, uh, yeah I... Uh, so it was... Uh, but it didn't come quickly. Right. Because I went to theater school thinking that I would be an actor. Where did you go to theater school? Uh, Mount Royal College here, okay. back when they had a theater program. Yep. And then I transferred to UVic. Oh, wow. To do a double major in playwriting. So Mount director. Royal had a theater program, but it was like they did technical and they did performance. That's right, yeah. And I think it was a two-year program, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it was a two-year right. program. And uh, they sort of tried to intermingle them a little bit. Together, right. Uh, so that one would know how the other half lives. I remember that. I, guess I actually yeah. went to school for that as well. I went, yeah. to, I went to Mount Royal for a year. Mm -hmm. But they did try to collaborate. They tried to intertwine like... Teach you how to run the lights and run the backstage and the show. I was and terrible. And I, they, I sucked they, at that shit, too. That they passed me because I tried. And I showed right. up for class. And right. they're like, you know what? You're never going to be a tech. It's okay. You go be an actor. <laughs> we it's know fine. Be. We know you're trying. <laughs> it is an awful thing called a round robin where they give you like little cards. You have to go to each station and like, hang a light and focus it. Then you go to the next one and hook up a reel to reel. And then you go right, to the next right. one and you're like, oh, God. Oh, my God. That brings back the memories. It was the Olympics of suck. It was awful. <laughs> Now, were you were you doing stand-up and stuff like that in the meantime? Well, were you, were the you ever... very first time I did stand-up was at Mount Royal College. Yuck Yucks had a contest. No shit. Yeah, and uh, I brought a bunch of my theater buddies out, and it was audience-decided. Right. Now, I'd like to say that it was because I was, you know, brilliant, but the fact of the matter is, A, I brought in the audience. Right. And B, the other ones were really awful. So you like, stood out for being a lot better. Awful. <laughs> I was only marginally awful in comparison. <laughs> But here's the thing. I thought, okay, I can do this now. I won this contest. Of course I can do this. Sure. And then the next time I tried it, I bombed so badly, I stayed away from it for years. No way. And then I would try it again. I'd get the itch. I'd try it again. Do okay. Bomb. Stay away for years. So I didn't actually start doing it until I bombed, then came back the next week. And that wasn't until I was 30. Wow. So That's up to quite that a break, point, man. Yeah. Up to that point, I was like, no, well, I was in a sketch troupe. Sure. For a long time, and I thought being a Monty Python fan, that was where I thought yeah. my heart was. And uh, the stand-up I just did while the group was on a hiatus. Right, right. Uh, and so I thought, oh, well, I'll just try this, and yeah. it worked out okay. That's amazing, man. Yeah. The sketch troupe seems to be a lot of basis for a lot of really successful performers, though. There's a lot of history in sketch troupes. 
Yeah. Uh, stuff like the Groundling, stuff like Second City. I sure, mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a fascinating stuff. Yeah, and the, the difference there is a lot of their stuff is based in improv. Right. And I've done improv, and I enjoy improv. I, even once in a while, I, I guest on uh, the Monday Night Soaps here right. in town, right. which are great. There's so much fun. There's no way not to have fun. <laughs> Go and see the Monday Night Shows uh, at uh, Lunchbox Theater. Yeah. The soaps are great. Uh, Die Nasty. No, that was the Edmonton one. What is this one called? Edit that out because they're going to hate me. Uh, <laughs> They'll come looking for you. After that's that. right. <laughs> dirty laundry. It's called dirty laundry. Dirty laundry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've done improv, but this was just uh, me sitting down with the old word processor and pounding out sketches and then going through and editing and, you know, this one works, this one doesn't. And Wow. Yeah. So you've always had a love for the written word, for the, for the art of, of Yeah. Of I've always writing. thought I was a better writer than I was a comedian. I've, I've never been as comfortable on stage as I am actually writing the jokes. I know the jokes are solid, but sometimes I don't feel that I necessarily as a whole package right. am solid, which is why I spin my wheels a little bit uh, doing stand-up. But as soon as I started get, getting a little traction doing screenwriting, it uh, it really started to, to pay off. So I think now instead of being a comedian who occasionally screenwrites, I'm a screenwriter who occasionally does comedy. And where does that inspiration come come from? Where do you get the inspiration to write? Where do you Are, are there ideas that you just yeah. come up with? Or, or is there... Situations that you find yourself in that, that you draw from, personal um, Personal situations like money. I think to myself, <laughs> well, if they're buying it, they're making all those crappy movies. Here's, this is actually a true story. I was flipping through the channels uh, just, just this past November, and Women's Network always has like a glut of Christmas movies. Right. And they're all Christmas romantic comedies. Right. And I, I thought, I can write a shitty Christmas movie. And I literally, I have a file on my desktop right now called Shitty Christmas Movie that I'm working on. That's brilliant, man. Because <laughs> there is always some really shitty written Christmas movies. Yeah, and they pay well enough. They pay more. Like, I can relax for a year if I sell one I of those. I was going to say. I've you know? Heard, yeah, so, you can do really, really well with that stuff. I'm prepared to sell out. I have no soul. <laughs> I gave that up a long time ago. Integrity? Ha! <laughs> Nonsense. Integrity's for the weak. What, do you find that, uh, that there's as many opportunities here for people writing... Because I've interviewed some people down in Los Angeles, and mm -hmm. they've always said, you know what, the writers are truly the gods of Los Angeles. These are right. the people that are looked at with extreme amount of, of attention and, yeah. and uh, respect, and they really truly run Hollywood, these yeah. people that go down there and write. Have you ever wanted to make that trek down south, or do you feel like Canada provides you with enough opportunities here? I think uh, I think I need, I need to get my feet a little more wet before right. I jump into that pool. Right. Before I start swimming around in the big pool with the big fish. Right. Uh, I need to sort of learn. But there's been a lot of successful Canadians that have crossed that. Absolutely. Down there. Yeah, Paul are, Haggis are, is Canadian, isn't Paul he? Ha yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 James Cameron. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just I feel like, um, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm getting enough work now that I'm learning from it. Right. So once I feel like I'm king of the walk, yeah. uh, maybe I'll start getting stuff around. And I, you know, when I get an agent, that'll be helpful. Sure. Because they work in Los Angeles as well, so it's, it's an easier transition. So Yeah, we'll you know goes. what? I got an agent about a year ago, and uh, nothing happened. And then mm -hmm. I got an email from her last night. Out yeah. of the, I was driving home, and it was yeah. like, well, I don't know, 1 o'clock in the morning yeah. or something. And she's like... Uh, Hey, I've submitted you for a host position for a TV show in Salzburg, Austria. Would you be up for that? I'm like, I didn't even know who the... You're still Salzburg, working for me? Like, what? You're my agent? I had no idea I still had an agent, man. Welcome to... It's the Mozart hour. Like, Here in Salzburg. What? You're going to have a good time. I'm like, where could I possibly host in Austria? That's going to make sense on any level. But, yeah, agents aren't always what they're cracked up to be. Yeah. Um, 
t- let's talk a little bit more about the comedy, though. I okay. mean, did did uh, did you have that time? Did you go on the road? Did you go and do all? Oh yeah. Canada. And you, oh, I've done. Uh, I've done all those horrible you've got, little rooms and all the good ones. But and, you've got you've got a great re- resume for comedy. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I've got some. I've gotten some really good opportunities. Yeah. I got to go to the Dominican. That was pretty great. Uh, and I've uh, I've toured out. I've done some shows out east and yeah. uh, all over Saskatchewan, BC, Alberta. You know, right. I've done horrible shows. I've done wonderful shows. It's just uh, like you say. It's the same thing with screaming. You just get your get your feet wet and sure. just do it as much as you can. And you know what's funny is a lot of the comedians that I actually interview. Uh, one of the big points that they always say, and I never really think about it, is is. Uh, you know what? Not every town is the greatest that I go to and I perform yeah. at, but it really gives me the chance to go and see Canada. Yeah, and go go to places I've never thought I'd. I'd yeah, I'd unfortunately, go to. it made me hate Canada. But other than that, <laughs> I hate the country. In which I, I hate born. this country. This room full of people—they're all baseball caps, pointed backwards, hunched over beers, judging me. All of them, even when I'm not performing. No. Did you find that your comedy resonated from? from bc to nova scotia did it did it go from opposite ends of the no it really didn't that's where the impressions came in uh, as much helps. as some yeah as much as some people think mm-hmm, can I impressions? Uh, it saved my ass on more than one occasion but you're really good at impressions i mean that's well, been yeah. known as one of your trade trademark things it's, yeah uh, but yeah. it's it's like a, a comedian who plays a guitar there's this sort of hierarchy in the world of backstabby comedians <laughs> 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 uh, where they all sort of snipe at each other for various various reasons and uh you know somebody who's just coasting on the impressions is is he's not like ventriloquist low sure. but he's he's kind of you know he's higher than mime and ventriloquist but but lower than lower than what i call the road warrior who stands there with the microphone foot on the amp telling it like it is the bill hicks of the prairies that's who you look up to you you do homer simpson ah. I'm just way too bitter for this podcast. I'm going to get fired by oh, yucks. Oh, man. No, no. It's, 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 it's brilliant. It's dynamite, man. I love it. I love it. Do you... Uh, what's that like, though? I mean, taking... You know, being able to, to kind of choose where your career is going to go. I mean, a lot of comedians are out there hustling yeah. weekend to weekend, whereas you kind of decide, hey, I'm going to come back for and do a weekend here and there. And, yeah. And kind of spend I married time. up. That's the key. <laughs> my wife has a really good job. That's a good point right there. <laughs> my wife a... has a great job. So I had a good year last year. I wrote for uh, Forget About It on nice. uh, Adult Swim. Uh, I was doing Punch Up for them, and I, I did an episode. I wrote an episode for them. So that turned out okay. But even if it didn't, my wife makes enough to sort of cover bases. Sure. Um, she doesn't like it. Right. She'd rather she didn't have to do that. <laughs> But it's there, and she's been so amazing. My wife, Amber Northcutt, whom I love. There you go, uh, Amber. Big shout-out to Amber, yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's amazing. She, she uh, is my dream girl in the sense that she's supporting my dream. Uh, <laughs> like, literally supporting my dream. Uh, and I was, I'm very fortunate uh, to have her. But she reminds me of frequently. That's amazing, because vocally. you know what? So many, so many people... Uh, are really unable to have any type of relationship being yeah. comedians and being We're fucked up. And, yeah. It's the problem. It's it's a real tortured soul. I know. It's this need for attention. It's like so insecure and egomaniacal at the same time. Like I just spend seven hours in cars with him. I can't imagine spending seven years in a marriage with one. It would just be brutal. But I've always been like a little bit different. I'm not a party guy. Right, I don't, right. you know. Um, life on the road isn't exactly life on the road. Yeah, and I'm... I'm uh, 
I'm a, I'm more of a family guy. Like right. you know, when I'm on the road, I, I miss my family. Is that why the writing makes a lot more sense? To it you? does. I can yeah. stay home and and spend time with the five year old. I'm never going to get that time back. Right. You know, and it's great that I'm able to do that. That's great to hear that, man. And he's he's killing me, but killing me for good reasons. <laughs> You know, because I I, uh, I had recently I had recently written a uh, written a kind of a mission statement, so to speak, but just mm-hmm. on the kind of the um, where, com- where where you know like where comedy is at right now in Canada, and where you know I I talk to a lot of people that that stuff like owning a home, yeah. and owning a car, being in a relationship, getting married, yeah. having kids. That's so fucking off the radar for them. A lot of them don't want it. They don't want it, and mm-hmm. for them any. Any sense of long-term commitment yeah. is scary because they don't. It's it yeah. really is a feast or famine job. Yeah, I would need that home base. Like that's what keeps you sane and real. Sure. Because otherwise, if you get too far on the other end, then you're telling jokes for other comedians, right? About other comedians that other comedians will enjoy, and right. you have no base with reality. Absolutely. You have no base with your audience. Yeah. You know, if you've lived in hotels your whole life and. You know, uh, drinks after the show and grabbing whoever will sleep with you. Great for as long as you can. But eventually that puts you out of touch with what made you funny in the first place, I find. Right. You need to have some kind of... And also just to decompress. Yeah. Like that, I've seen what happens when you spend too much time out there and... It starts to take a toll on you. Yeah. And, and and then your your you know entire outlook just becomes cynical. I mean, I've, I've yeah. talked to a lot of people where it's just everything is just like mundane, and it's it's never an, a, like a, a positive out, outlook. Yeah. It's always going to be like ah fuck another. Even for something another. as great as stand up, if it doesn't make you happy, stop. Yeah, you know, realize why it isn't making you happy. Right. Or in my case, streamline what does make you happy about it. Yeah. And try and excise the rest as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What? Uh, let's talk about some of the writing now with. Mm-hmm. with um, you mentioned that you, you've written for you know stuff like a, a Adult Swim and stuff. Yeah. Does, does your writing kind of does it cover a lot of area? Does it does it is there is there? No, I am a comedy writer. It's, it's strictly comedy. It's, it's almost strictly comedy. Right. I, I tried my hand. I was working on something called uh, Tesla versus Frankenstein, which was like a uh, sort of a kitschy kind of uh, movie, which again was money motivated because I saw Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and went, I could write that. <laughs> we'll just get some Frankenstein and I don't know Tesla. Everybody loves Tesla. <laughs> Everything I do is a cynical cash grab, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I had a roommate in Los Angeles that wrote yeah. a spec for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. And, and the premises for a lot of these shows are mm-hmm. so basic and so, yeah. like, I can find the humor in something so yeah. relatable that everybody goes yeah. through those certain situations. But but obviously, yeah. you know, sticking to comedy writing, I mean, yeah. that must be kind of challenging to always have. But it's also, it's, you gotta, you gotta know the characters. You gotta know what's going on, right? right, right. You have to really, uh, warm up to the, to the world of what you're doing. And so that the joke, you're not just pounding out jokes. Right. You're saying things that would come out of the mouth of that character. And that's what makes it funny. Right. That's right. the trick, right? Yeah. 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 That's interesting, man. That's fascinating. And, 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 are you finding that that the opportunities here are are, are enough for you? Do you do you think that, uh, that there's always room for there... more opportunity? Sure, uh, but uh, for now, like I said, uh, I don't feel confident enough to start waving scripts under the noses of WB executives. Right, right. But, uh, but I've seen some. I've seen there. some some scripts out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Some I think people have more you, balls than brains, and God love them. <laughs> But I was born with more brains and flab than balls. <laughs> so uh, I'm still here uh, wallowing in self-doubt. 
tell me about some of your experiences on the road. Who do you who did you love performing with, and 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 who do you continue to love to to uh, to show up and and. Uh, There's a lot of people I look up to. Um, the first show I ever stand up show I ever saw was Winston Spear. I just interviewed him about a week ago. Oh my god, that bit he does about. Uh, Standing in the one horse standing in the field full of cows. Does he still do that? He still does it. Oh, it's so great. Why is the farmer always getting on my back? I'll tell you why, because I'm the fastest cow in the universe. It's so good. Everything, the delivery and everything is so good. So he I've always been dynamite, huge. Man. And I, you so know what? Good. Actually, I've never seen anybody really incorporate that yeah. much song and dance and stuff yeah. like that into uh, He's into a, t- a he is. You know why I probably liked him? He's a one-man sketch show. He is. He's totally he is. a one man sketch. Oh, you know what's crazy, actually, is I had uh, a good, good friend of mine, uh, Jimmy, and uh, I, I spent New Year's with Jimmy. This is about 10, 15 years ago. And I just remember getting drunk with this guy and going, like, okay, what do you do again? And he's like, I'm a ballet dancer. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no shit. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I've never hung out with a ballet dancer. It's pretty cool, you know, you do performance stuff. And I, I, and I kind of kept in contact with Jimmy over the years. But the other day, he, he emails me and he says, hey, man, I love this show. Everything's going great. Winston Spear. He goes, I performed with Winston. <laughs> wow. Like, what? Fuck, yeah. what hasn't Winston done? He's been straight across Canada doing everything. Yeah. And uh, Dwayne Goad was always great Dwayne to travel Goad with. Dwayne Goad is great, yeah. Dwayne Goad uh, is the one who took me aside when I was first starting. Because you can feel little murmurs about you. And it's like you could feel him saying, yeah, he just does impressions. And he took me aside and he said, you know what? Fuck them. If they could do it, they would. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Great advice. Sure. Great. <laughs> and Kevin Fox was fun to tour with. Um, I used to, I still do, uh, have a closer with a Kermit the Frog puppet, which he kidnapped and actually sent me. Uh, I got a call from the front desk of the hotel in Edmonton <laughs> where they said, uh, we have a message for you. And she's really, really sort of like, what's going on with this? She, she says, we have the frog await further instructions. <laughs> and I look in my closet, and sure enough, there's like where the frog was, there's a ransom note. <laughs> I had to bring him vodka. It was, it was his way. brilliant, of, man. It was his way of teaching me a lesson about being a prop comic, which is, again, <laughs> the hierarchy coming into play. It's like, no, no, no. Let me teach you a lesson. Don't come out here with props and things. There's a way we do stuff. <laughs> this isn't it. Did you feel backlash besides that? I mean, did you, like, when you first You know what? Three quarters of it's probably just me. You know? I'm just self-conscious. Sure. I see somebody looking at me sideways. I'm like, do I have a booger? It's just who I am. <laughs> right. right? So right. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it wasn't intentional, but it is out there. Yeah. Uh, and stand-up, unlike theater, you, I, when I go in and do improv and everybody's hugging each other, like, oh, it's so good to see you. You're so brilliant. La, la, la. There's a lot of that on the surface in stand-up, <laughs> but then behind closed doors, it suddenly you get, it gets, there is a competitive thing, right? Sure. And this is part of the reason it wasn't making me happy is because I was becoming that person. Right. I can't tell you how many times I went, really? They got a festival? Right. I, that's 20 minutes of pot jokes. Come on. <laughs> really? And it's nothing to do with that. And but, but you must get a lot of that even with the writing. Like when you watch something that's got a, a horrible Here's the story weird thing. I don't, I don't feel that way about the writing. You just, right? It's like, eh, I've never met the guy. I don't work with him. I don't know him. Zero. Zero. zero I, don't, I don't feel the... I, there's judgment. Oh, there's always judgment. I'm an <laughs> asshole. When it comes to that, I am judgy, judgy, judgy. I am judge dread over here. But uh, but it's it's I judge the writing, but not necessarily the person because they're they're separate. It feels more personal. Sure. Uh, with stand up because it's you up there, and right. that's what I didn't realize. A lot of these guys that were getting ahead of me were the total package. I was writing perfectly good jokes, right? But they weren't to a character, to a personality. 
it's you they're buying into and not right. the jokes. And it took me a long time to learn that. Sure, sure. Wow. What's yeah. up next for Tony Bins? What uh, what can we look forward to? And, and are you do you have any more stand-up dates on the calendar right now? Uh, I have no uh, no stand-up at the moment. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to be doing rewrites on this movie, which is going to be shooting in the summer. Um, and and other can you than talk that, about the movie at all, or, or is it still in the pre phases? Where... It's been green lit. Okay. Um, I've been told not to talk about it on social media, right. but uh, who listens to this? Let's talk about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you familiar with Cyrano de Bergerac? I, I certainly am. Cyrano de Bergerac is one of my favorite plays uh, because when I, the first time I saw it. I was uh, a junior apprentice at Alberta Theatre Projects. Right. And I asked uh, the other apprentice, this lovely blonde girl, to come on a date with me to come and see it. Right. At Shakespeare in the Park, David Lorini played uh, Cyrano, and she stood me up. And so oh, that play hit no. extra hard. <laughs> I was like, I'm like that guy. Chicks don't dig me. I'm smart and they don't like me. If I had a sword, I'd be really deadly too. So I'm, I'm a huge Cyrano fan. Always have been. I always wanted to play the part, uh, but my uh, ambition was much greater than my talent <laughs> in that regard. But it's uh, so I was able to. Uh, I just did what um, what they did with Shakespeare in Ten Things I Hate About You. I right. took Cyrano de Bergerac and I put it in high school with social media. Really, that's basically the nut of the thing. I like that. Yeah, Very it opens up a lot of twist. possibities. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, how can I make people fear him? Because he's in the play; he's this feared swordsman, and that's why nobody messes with him, right. and nobody makes nose jokes. Right, right. Uh, and I thought, well, he's like a—he's an anonymous hacker. He's a four chan guy, and he will wreck your life if you if you say <laughs> if you, boo about his nose. Step out of line. That's right. Wow, that's a brilliant. Which concept, which feeds man. into the whole social media thing, right? If sure. he's going to anonymously woo someone on behalf of someone else, social media would be the way to do it. Right, right. right. Yeah. In- interesting twist, man. I like that. Thank you. Are, are, are there days there where, where you just, you're drawing blanks and you're like, oh man, I gotta, or is it, do you give yourself dedicated time to sit down and say, I'm going to write between this hour and this hour? Yeah. Um, I have grandma come over in the afternoons when I can to, to look after the, the boy. Right. Uh, but that's not always easy now either because that's he doesn't realize that the office is no fly zone. Right, right. So he's he's just, come busted. Yeah, in. he'll just he'll just come busted in. Like, Daddy, kiss is on TV. Okay, <laughs> Daddy, Franklin fell down. Okay, all right. <laughs> These little updates as I'm trying to write. That must yeah. be tough though, pushing through on some of those days where you're just not feeling it though. Um, deadlines help. Yeah, I've always been somebody who prefers to be under the eyes. Like, I need to see something by Christmas. Okay. And then, then you'll you get know. it. Yeah. Uh, but if it's like, yeah, whatever, I'll be like, okay, well, I got some Dragon Age to play. Because you know That's what? I've tried writing, man. I've yeah. tried I've tried writing before. Yeah. And i got to give you credit right now because there's been some where I'm like, okay, I'm going to write from this time to this yeah. time. And the distractions, the uh, it's you really have to have an inc- immense amount of discipline to, to sit down. When you get on that. a roll, it's great. Right. Once you get your, you have immerse yourself in that world, yeah. it's almost like you're transcribing. Sure. It's almost like you're just going, oh, you're overhearing a conversation. This is right. what they're saying. Right. When you get on the roll. The trick is getting into that. Yeah. Because sometimes you're like, ugh, that scene, I yeah. don't know. He comes in and he says, I need a drink. <laughs> you get one and you come back and you're like, I will play Candy Crush for a little while as a reward for sitting here <laughs> and having a drink. And then I will find out what this guy says. Recharge the batteries. But you it. have yeah. to do that. I find I'm I'm always on Facebook and then I'm like, oh, well, I'm in the middle of something else. And then I'll go back and write right. three more pages and then I'll run out of gas and have to go off to Twitter or something. And yeah, I come yeah, back yeah. and yeah. Speaking of which, how can people find you, Tony? Uh, I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook, and I'm 46 years old, so that's all I can understand at this point. <laughs> if you try and Instagram me, I'm like, I don't know. It's like 
pictures but not pictures? <laughs> it's like pictures, you put filters on them and then you like them, I guess. I don't know. Oh, that's dynamite. Yeah. How can people find you on Twitter? At uh, Tony Bins. Perfect. And uh, we'll definitely put that link up on the uh, on the site so people right. can find you. And uh, hey, thanks for doing this, Tony. Thanks for having me. It's great. I appreciate it, man. Take care. All right, folks, and there you have it, Mr. Tony Benz. Very funny, very, <laughs> very hilarious, and very good at impressions. Thanks, Tony, for coming on and doing the show. Be sure to check him out when he comes and plays your area. Also, on behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, and all the crew at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, and, of course, our web master, Camille Sorovi. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We got tons of great episodes coming up. And don't forget to tweet us with hashtag YYCP. And we will see you next week.